0: Chapter 8 Constantine swallowed the last bite of his meal. The food appeased his hunger but did little to relieve his irritation. Across the table sat Luog and Gura consuming their dry, salted mutton. Though both had much to say, neither spoke. Lathan stood at the window behind the two, staring out at the campsites teemed with men busying themselves under the morning sun. Constantine's gaze shifted to his half-empty mug of water sitting on the table in front of him. Past debates among the four played over in his mind. A divided army is a defeated army, he concluded. He knew the four would have to find resolution soon Dalriada needed as much. Constantine rose from his seat. He peered at the three, one by one. Men, we have no choice but to depart and find those taken by the Vikings Alpin and the boys included. Our time is up. I am asking each of you, as leaders of men, let us settle this. Luog nodded his agreement and glanced at Lathan and Gura. Lathan turned from his perch beside the window and folded his arms across his chest. I'm torn. If we find the Vikings, we won't be simply asking them to kindly return our people we'll be starting a war. And we won't have the element of surprise that we had when this all started. The Vikings will be expecting us, this whole thing could be a trap. A frown crept over Gura's face. He turned to Constantine, Lathan is right. We want to find the captives. But we would do well just to survive an encounter with the Vikings. He stood and pushed his chair under the table. We can't lead our men into a trap. Why would we not send an envoy to Angus and remind him of what's at stake? He doesn't want the Vikings here either, or they'll be coming for him next. Surely he'd agree to supply the necessary men. I don't see any good in adding the Picts to our numbers, Luog contested, addressing Constantine. We don't have time? We've already waited too long. Suddenly, a loud knock rapped on the door. Sir? A voice called from outside. Constantine stepped across the room and opened the door. A single Dalryadan scout stood beyond the threshold. What is it? Constantine asked. Then his eyes peered past the scout toward a mass of men moving in the distance. Where are the men going? I have found Alpin and the three others, the scout replied. I spotted them and joined them on the north road. They are coming behind me. I rode ahead to bring the news. Alpin has been badly injured, it's his leg. He was shot with an arrow, and he has lost much blood. Where are they now? Constantine asked. They're not far behind. They should be entering Renton any moment, sir. Very good. We're coming. Constantine turned to the three, let's go. Constantine, I'll have my men find Seamus. He's Milton's physician. He'll be able to help Alpin, Lathan said. Ronan led the group of four into Renton. Seeing his father pressing through the crowd of men, he called to him, Father, Father. Luog hurried to his son. What happened to Alpin? Alpin. He's been wounded, Ronan said. We were ambushed, and that's when Alpin took an arrow in his thigh. He's holding on, but it's been a long ride home and he's very weak. We need to get him to a bed. He'll need food and water. Chorich and Les rode abreast of Alpin as the three entered the village fifty paces behind Ronan. Alpin sat slumped forward in his saddle, leaning against the neck of his horse. He lifted as he approached the crowd of men. His face was white and haggard, and his eyes were listless and tired. As he neared the men, he repositioned and sat erect in his saddle. He held up a clenched fist and gave a reassuring nod. The men cheered at the sight of Alpin's return, glad to see him home alive. Constantine's spirit lifted when he saw the men's reaction. He and Luog approached Alpin to help him dismount. So you decided to come back, Constantine remarked, with a tone that promised to encourage Alpin. Then he peered at Alpin's injured thigh and grimaced. It's good that you didn't use your head to stop that arrow, we need to get a doctor to look at that. Lord knows I didn't want to come back. Having you fuss over me like an old wife, that's more than I can take, Alpin replied and attempted a grin. He dismounted with a groan and hobbled when his bad leg reached the ground. Chorich dismounted beside his father. We need to find him a bed and a doctor, he said his hair was disheveled, and his face was covered with a grimy film that ran from his ear to his neck, though he had no concern of his appearance. Constantine, can you send someone for my mother and my wife? They'll be able to help once we get him settled. Constantine called to a man and gave the order. Then he turned back to Chorich, let's get your father to that bed. Follow me. Chorich nodded, grabbed a leather bag from his horse and followed the men as they led his father away. Alpin's eyes opened and closed. His body gradually relaxed in the comfort of the soft cot, as his mind vacillated between coherency and exhaustion. He's lost a good deal of blood, Seamus said, kneeling beside the makeshift bed where Alpin lay. Seamus signaled his handmaid to bring more water and rags. Alpin attempted to speak, and he muttered a string of unintelligible words. After a long pause, his brow furrowed and exhaustion overtook him. Seamus, can you help him? Lathan asked his physician. He needs rest. He probably should have died from the blood he's lost. The belt the boys placed around his leg may have saved his life, Seamus commented as he removed the belt. I need to change the bandage. Then I'll reset the tourniquet. How long until he wakes? Constantine asked. I can't say but don't plan on moving him. He needs more strength. He will need plenty of nourishment and rest before he tries anything. His leg is fairly torn up. It'll be some time before he can walk with any real vigor. The arrow seems to have missed the bone, but it got muscle, front and back. It's pretty bad. Constantine turned to Chorich, who was standing at the edge of the bed, mesmerized by the physician and the talk of the men. Tell me what happened, Chorich. Chorich stared at Constantine, his anger resurging. They were hunting us. Who was hunting you? Luog asked. Three men. They followed us for some time as we tracked Kenneth and the others. We were on the trail the Vikings had taken. Chorich paused, puzzled by the expression forming on Constantine's face. What is it? Chorich asked. Go on, Chorich, tell us about these men, Luog said. Who are they? You mean, who were they? They're dead now, Chorich replied. This doesn't make sense, Constantine said. Were they Vikings? No, they weren't Vikings. They were trying to conceal their identity. They wore these, Chorich said, pulling a black garment from his leather bag and lifting it for the others to see. They were Britons, someone behind Chorich said. Chorich whirled around to find Taran standing in the open doorway with a half dozen men at his side. Chorich stepped toward Taran. No, they weren't Britons, they were Picts. How could they be Picts, that's the same garb worn by several of the Britons at A. Gura replied. I know they were Picts. I ripped these rags from their dead bodies, and two of them were covered in painted markings. They were Picts. Gura chuckled. Simply because a man has paint on his body doesn't mean he's a Pict. Of course they were Picts. Why are you so quick to dismiss that? Only Picts cover themselves in paint, Luog insisted, peering at Gura. On the contrary, it may mean they once were Picts, or at one time they rode with the Picts. But if they were hunting our men, they were most likely mercenaries, working for any man willing to pay the highest wage. I would suppose the Britons paid these men to kill Alpin. Their black garb, seems to suggest as much, Gura responded. I don't buy it. Chorich said, Britons don't travel this far north. These were Picts, maybe mercenaries, but Pict mercenaries. Angus will have to answer for this. So now you plan to start a war with the Vikings and the Picts. That's an odd decision when the Picts may be your only chance to defeat the Vikings, Taran said. I wouldn't be so rash, we may need them. I don't need you telling me how to fight and whose hand I should bow to, Taran. Angus can't be trusted. He would gladly see Dalriada burn to the ground. I'm convinced he wants my father dead, and the bastards with painted bodies prove it. Taran didn't blink. He even seemed to enjoy the moment. The men know we need the Picts to strengthen our forces. They know your father's hatred for Angus. One man's pride should not hinder the security of the many. These so-called mercenaries are dead. They can't tell of their ties to Britain, but their black garments can. You would do well to put your past with Angus behind you and consider how we can stop the Vikings. Taran glanced to his right and left at the men standing beside him, then he turned back to Chorich. Your time to save your lost brother Kenneth is growing short. We must join the Picts, and soon, if we hope to stop the Vikings. Mutterings of approval rose from Taran's entourage. We don't need the damn Picts, Taron. I'll find my brothers, and my sister and the others, Chorich replied. Ah, yes, you haven't heard. I will leave that for the others to share with you and your ailing father. But be quick, we must call on Angus and depart soon, Taron said, and he turned and walked away. The small crowd of Dumbarton men followed. Chorich felt a hand on his shoulder. Let him go, Chorich. Chorich spun, still seething from the encounter. Forget Taran. Let's just you and I talk, without Taran, Constantine said, trying to calm his nephew. Constantine glanced at the others in the room and then shut the door. Ronan and Les stood beside Chorich. Luog, Lathan, and the other men stood silent, waiting for Constantine to proceed. Chorich gazed at Constantine, studying his face and noting his burdened demeanor. Taran mentioned some news that I have not heard. What did he mean? Chorich asked. What have I not heard? Nessa is well, Chorich. She has returned to us. She is with your mother and your wife. The three of them are fine, Constantine said. Nessa escaped. She's here. Yes, she escaped, she says that Kenneth found her and was able to free her. Chorich eased then tensed. Kenneth freed her. Where is he? Where are Kenneth and Aidan? He felt his heart sink as if he knew the answer. Chorich, Nessa says Kenneth is alive, but that he was captured. Likely, he's being held with the others, Constantine replied. She saw him taken alive? Was she the only one who escaped? Yes, she was the only one who escaped. But Chorich, Constantine paused. He glanced at Luog, and struggled to return his eyes to Chorich. Son, Nessa told us, she told us that Aidan, that he died. He was killed during the escape. The words sliced into Chorich as though his gut had been ripped asunder. He would have thrown up, had he any food in his belly. Aidan is dead, he uttered, disbelieving. Chorich's gaze moved to his father. He was lying on the cot his leg wrapped in bandages and his mind oblivious to the news of Aiden, his father would wake to a living hell. How God, how could this happen? Why did Aiden have to die, I could have saved him. God, my father won't survive this. Anguish flooded Chorich's soul. He shut his eyes and stood in silence, seething with rage. His jaw flexed and his teeth clenched tight. Then his eyes shot open. Angus. He's behind this. He came into our village demanding fealty. When father would not submit, he became indignant. He hates the Scots, he hates my father. It was his men who tracked and hunted us. He's behind the Viking attack. I know it. Chorich, we don't know the mercenaries were sent by Angus. They could be Britons. And why would he be against the Scots? The Vikings will come after him, too. Lathan said. I ask you were the Pict villages destroyed. Did they attack Angus Castle? Chorich demanded. Why did the Vikings attack south to Renton and then return north without attacking father? The older men stood in a stupor, mulling Chorich's claim in muddled deliberation. Somebody answer me. Tell me why Angus and the Picts have remained untouched by the Viking butchery. I'm telling you, he sold his soul to those devils. I believe Chorich is right, Ronan said, speaking up and eyeing his father. Luog's barrel chest surged as he drew a breath under his son's gaze. He folded his arms and glared at Constantine and Lathan. I've never trusted the Picts. And I don't trust Angus. I think we should listen to the boys. Constantine began to pace the small room, tracing his eyes along the wooden planks of the floor. Continuing to amble, he addressed the young men, I have heard what you've said. I do not fully disagree with the charges you've made. What you have said may be true, but at the moment, we only have suspicions. We mustn't overlook the gap between truth and suspicion, we need proof. He paused and stepped to the window. He stared at the men gathered outside. He was not surprised to see Taran huddled in a group with a dozen others. Constantine shook his head in disgust and turned back to Chorich. Chorich, if what you've said is true then it will have much bearing on what we do next. But before we leap into a war we may not win, we must have real proof, suspicion alone is insufficient. We must know for sure that your suspicions are true. There is no other answer, Constantine? I am certain of it, Chorich insisted. What more proof do you need? Wake my father, he knows Angus. He'll agree with what I'm saying. We will wake him soon enough. He needs to rest and recover. As for your certainty, I know you believe you are right. But I cannot start a battle with Angus and the Picts while in the midst of a war with the Vikings, especially without proof that Angus has conspired against us. For now, the evidence is based on circumstances, and dare I say, emotion. We need more facts, Chorich. I will not send these men against the blade of two enemies without absolute certainty. Proof? You need more proof, Chorich fumed incredulously, shaking his head. Soon enough you'll have your proof. He broke his gaze from Constantine and departed without uttering another word.